Stock Dads are back for season two of their hit podcast, Stocks and Sandals. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to build generational wealth. So tuck in your t-shirt, put your Crocs in sport mode, and let's grill up some profits. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Zabala. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined, as always, by DJ Brown. And I'm excited for this episode, DJ, because I feel like we've kind of tiptoed around this subject a couple times, but we've never actually like gone into it specifically. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know, today we're going to be talking to Brian Thorpe about financial planning, just more about it, like when it's necessary, is it necessary? There's a lot of you know, conflicting opinions on financial planning in general or financial advisors and, you know, whether or not they're worth it or if you should just buckle down and learn it all yourself and all that kind of fun stuff, right? So, you know, we're going to talk to to Brian today who um, has a software that kind of helps, you know, pair people with financial planners and stuff. But I'm going to I'm gonna let Brian basically introduce himself, give, him, give everybody a little bit of a background on yourself, Brian, you know, who you are, what you do, kind of what your service looks like, and then we'll just kind of jump in. Yeah, thanks so much, DJ, and appreciate the opportunity, Mike and DJ, to be on the show today. So my background, I've been in financial services 20 plus years, worked for a big corporate organization uh, based in Houston, and they did a large acquisition, which gave me the opportunity to put my hand up and say, I'll take the package, I'm out of here. And that gave me an opportunity to start my current company, Wealth Tender, which is focused on helping people find the right financial advisor for their needs if they want to work with an advisor. But we also have financial coaches, as well as hundreds of blogs and podcasts that we want to introduce people to if they prefer not to work with an advisor or coach. So you can think about us really as like a Yelp for financial advisors that we're trying to make as easy to use as Netflix, but also providing resources for people that aren't ready or aren't interested in working with an advisor if they prefer to do it yourself. Um, We've spent the last year, my wife and I, we don't have kids, so I had a great father. So, you know, while I'm not a dad, uh, a lot of great experiences there. But one of the things that we took advantage of by not having kids might make some of your uh, listeners jealous is we actually spent the last year traveling to Miami, living and working from Tulum uh, in, in Mexico, and then now in Miami before we return to Houston a little bit later this year. So it's been a lot of fun building Wealth Center while we've been, quote, on the road, and now looking to really share the story with your team and specifically help your listeners better understand for their own needs if it makes sense for them to work with a coach, to work with an advisor, or to perhaps just leverage the resources. I know you guys do a great job of educating your audience with tools and resources that they can use to really develop a financial plan and happy to maybe go back and forth with you guys today on some of the times when it makes sense and other times when it maybe doesn't. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I, I think that's, that's really cool. Uh, and yeah, you know, I'm super jealous that you just get to travel around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. I was about to say that too. I was like, <laughs> our fans, like, I'm jealous. So. Uh, yeah, no, but um, you know, you you mentioned that you kind of share podcasts and stuff. I'm assuming that this is going to be the number one on your list after this, right? It's going to be Absolutely. right there at the top, you know, of your recommend recommended podcast. <laughs> so you may rethink that after talking to us for 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, but all right. So let's just kind of jump right in. And, you know, the first thing that you kind of mentioned that I think it would be good to just get out of the way uh, is the difference between a financial advisor and a financial coach. Can you just kind of describe some of those differences and and when you 
you know, or I guess how you make that clarification? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, a couple of things, I'll maybe just go down a list of uh, areas that are important to consider. So first and foremost, financial coaches are not regulated in any way. Um, financial advisors are regulated. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that a financial coach isn't well qualified to work with an individual, but it's just something to be aware of. Um, one of the things when you're thinking about a financial coach is really thinking about them as almost, and, and this is in, in no way meant to be a derogatory statement about financial coaches, but almost providing the training wheels um, to help you be smarter with your money. You know, if we think about being able to manage your finances on your own as being able to ride a bike, a financial coach can really provide the training wheels, the support, the guidance to help you in a lot of your day-to-day -day budgeting, um, learning how to get out of debt. You know, if you have a lot of student loan debt, credit card debt, or maybe you're getting married and you're working to combine your finances, you know, there starts to become more behavioral elements and um, even just areas of, of focus around that day-to-day, -day, you know, what to do with your money and how to put more of it away. A financial advisor, on the other hand, which can go by a number of different names, financial planner, uh, I generally just refer to financial advisor generically, but it can be a wealth manager, certified financial planner, you know, a number of areas there. Generally speaking, that financial advisor is less focused on your day-to-day -day money management skills and rather more focused on helping put a financial plan in place to achieve your longer term goals. One of the areas that distinguishes an advisor from a coach is that regulatory element. So in order for a financial advisor or for a financial professional to be able to help you with your actual investments, they do have to be registered as an advisor. And so that's the distinguishing factor from a regulatory perspective between a coach and an advisor. And by virtue of that, you'll see a lot of advisors spending a lot more time focused on helping people with their investments. But I think it's really important to point out, many advisors are, are focused on so much more than just investments. And historically, I would also suggest it's felt intimidating for people to approach an advisor because in many instances you feel like, well, if I don't have $500,000 in money to invest, this person's going to tell me, or maybe not even acknowledge me, and then I'm going to you know, need to turn the other way. So one of the things that we're doing at WealthTender is really helping educate people on the wide variety of financial professionals and educators who are available. Many advisors today who are offering a variation of compensation models that could include subscription fees, flat fees, retainer fees, hourly fees, and each of those could provide a better opportunity for consumers that have particular needs to avoid higher costs or feeling like you need to have a ton of assets because many advisors can work with you if you don't necessarily have a lot of money to invest. Um, other areas would generally include um, credentials. So many financial advisors may hold a more professional credential like the Certified Financial Planner designation. Uh, we on the WealthTender website are really focused on helping educate people on designations and the benefits of working with an advisor who holds a professional designation. Some are much more specific or narrow to a niche. So many advisors are increasingly focusing on a particular area of specialization. Maybe you're going through a divorce and so a certified divorce financial analyst or you're a small business owner. So uh, a financial advisor who holds a designation focused on helping business owners could be very valuable to you because they're really focused on helping you and understanding your individual needs or even a, a family who has special needs children. You know, that can be an area that having an advisor who doesn't necessarily live down the street because today you can work with an advisor anywhere around the country maybe that advisor specializes in families with special needs children. What a great way to actually work with somebody can, who can truly relate to you and has clients that are in the same boat or a similar boat 
and you can really build a network beyond just that relationship with an advisor. So there's a lot more that we can dive into, but that at a high level are some areas that I would point out. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a really broad and probably really dumb question. Um, but I feel like it's an important one, especially with how retail investors has kind of had a big uptick over the last year. I think a lot of people may not even know what, you know, working with a financial advisor looks like, right? So like, I think it could be intimidating for someone that's never looked into it because they're like, okay, you know, what are the fees going to look like? Like, you know, someone made it big on GameStop and made a million dollars, you know, they they don't know, you know, am I going to pay half of it in fees if I, you know, work with an advisor? So I know it's, it's broad um, and it's probably different for every, um, you know, agency, but can you kind of just talk about in general, kind of how, how is working with a financial advisor typically structured? Sure. And it's a great question and a good problem to have if you're one of the, the GameStop uh, investors that has managed to, uh, to pull through on that. Uh, so a few things there, you know, one, on, on the Wealth Tender website, we provide a lot of um, kind of abilities to filter. And again, as I mentioned, almost like a Netflix ex experience where you can scroll uh, by category and by the type of advisor that you're looking for, because we're really trying to help you if you are, for example, in that scenario, or for example, uh, we have a financial advisor who specializes in working with people that are uh, cryptocurrency investors. So finding that advisor that truly understands what's important to you may be very different from you know a family that is focused on financial planning because a, a husband perhaps just left his job, is moving to a new role or moving to a new city, you know, very different dynamics. So it's important to really first and foremost, think about what your needs are when you're looking to work with a financial advisor so that to address really part of your question, Mike, when you as an individual now approach that financial advisor, you can talk about what it is that you're looking for and ensure that that advisor is best able to uh, work with you based on your needs, as opposed to them just saying, hey, here's what it what it's like to work with me. Right. So if you have an advisor that says and, and it's totally fine I mean, if there are advisors who are out there that say, you know, here's the business we're in. Um, that, that's what you want. You, you want them to articulate the value proposition that they can deliver and ideally find an advisor that will be very transparent with you and suggest they're not a good fit if your individual needs aren't well suited for uh, their particular business. Uh, now, that isn't always going to be the case, and that's why I think it's important to come prepared with what it is that you're looking for. Make sure that you speak with multiple advisors. But in many instances, the first thing that's going to happen when you do decide to work with an advisor is they're going to look and do an assessment really of all of your assets, your liabilities, work with you to gain really a complete holistic financial picture of where you are in your financial life. And then from there, depending upon your individual needs, your goals, whether you're focused on saving for college, college funding for your kids, or more focused on saving for retirement, as well as your particular circumstances, you know, again, whether it's, you know, family is, is a priority or, the nature of your occupation, whatever your stage in life may be, that's where they're really then going to be able to focus and then help you determine where you should be investing your money and beyond where you're investing your money, which could include you know stocks and bonds, um, but also the types of accounts that you should be investing in in order to best maximize the, the tax benefits. So taxable versus 
um, non-taxable or tax-deferred type accounts, for example. So there's a lot to it, but most importantly, we really want to try and make it less intimidating for people when they are approaching an advisor. And I think if we can accomplish that goal, we'll be successful and we'll see more people come into the world of working with advisors and the stigma that I know exists out there for very good reason historically start to diminish that you shouldn't necessarily feel like it's going to be incredibly expensive or an experience where you're not comfortable on the other side of the table. If that is the case, it's a good it's a good sign that you should just move on and find another advisor because you don't want to be in that situation where you don't feel comfortable having a conversation just like the one that we're having right now. Yeah, and and kind of going off of that, so you know, there different industries require different things, right? So like if my car breaks down, like I need someone that's local. You know, how does that translate to financial services? I feel like a lot of people would be more comfortable working with someone they can see, you know, face to face, like go to their office. But is that like a requirement for, you know, when you're looking at finances? Historically, just out of necessity, before we had the technology to do what we're doing now, that was the case where people would look to a financial advisor who lived nearby. And there will always continue to be benefits to working with a local advisor. Um, Depending upon your circumstances, that may be a priority for you if they understand the local economy. Um, Perhaps in the Seattle area, for example, there's a lot of employees that work at Amazon or Starbucks where financial advisors there have a solid understanding of the employee benefit plans and also have other clients that work there as well. And so naturally they start to gain this level of specialization, not only for the employers in the area and their particular benefits, but also if you're looking to stay in that area, maybe retire in the area, they understand the economic uh, conditions of the region that could be really relevant as well. Um, that said, you know the, the post office didn't, in zip co- didn't invent zip codes to help people find a financial advisor. And that's one of the things that you'll see for many of these find an advisor websites that are out there is they start by saying, put in your zip code and we'll find the best three advisors for you. But in reality, what they're doing is they're selling your information to generally three different financial advisors who then are smiling and dialing, picking up that phone and trying to get a hold of you to say, hey, I should be your financial advisor. So to me, that's an antiquated approach because we do live in an age where if you do want to find an advisor, even in your local area, you know, we can do so much better than just putting in your zip code. I mean, even if you're ordering a pizza, you don't just put in your zip code and wait for three different pizza places to figure out which one is going to be best for you. You want to reach out and like start to learn a little bit more about the pizza places that are in the area. And so that's what we're doing on Wealth Tender. And as you come to Wealth Tender, just as an example, um, you can start to discern as to whether or not working with a local financial advisor makes more sense. Because again, if you do have particular needs and you're in your particular area where you live, there may not be a financial advisor who lives nearby that has those skills or the credentials or that area of specialization that's really important to you. And so it may very well be in that instance that working with an advisor over Zoom a couple hundred miles away could actually be a much better outcome for you because to succinctly answer your question, you just generally don't need to have that individual that's right there. Um, The other thing I would just suggest is if you do have a local advisor, it may very well be that you live in, let's say, Houston, Texas, where I generally live, and you decide you want to go live in Tulum, Mexico. Well, if you want to retire abroad, you can still work with that same advisor back where 
you were previously located, but that's just a good example of how today, fortunately, we don't have to necessarily be constrained by our zip code to find the best advisor. The beauty of like, even right now what we're doing, I mean, none of us are together in the same room at all. I mean, it's just the beauty of technology has given us the, the freedom to do things, you know, remotely and stuff. I want to, you know, kind of take a step back and you started to, you started to kind of allude to, you know, the stigma around financial planning and financial advising, not so much financial planning, but more like, you know, basically, you know, managing your funds, right. Usually comes with, with fees and, and things associated with that. So, you know, it cuts into your, your returns, it cuts into, you know, and that, and it may seem small in the beginning, you know, but then over time, you know, you've got like the compound interest and the stuff that like you're missing out on because you're losing a percent or a percent and a half or whatever for them to manage your funds. So speak on that. I personally do work with a financial advisor and my, you know, retirement funds and my, you know, my long-term investments and stuff like that. Not my fund money, not my, you know, um, you know, play money for secondary income, that, that kind of stuff. I have, you know, in with, you know, it's managed for me because I'm too emotional still. I'm too like connected to my, you know, my money and, you know, like make dumb decisions. So I don't want to mess with my long-term stuff. I want somebody who's a pro. So give me just kind of like some of the maybe pros and cons of, of having to pay that fee. I mean, obviously the con is that you pay the fee, but you know, what are some of the pros that kind of come out of that? And, and because, and obviously, you know, this is, part of this episode could be used as a shameless plug because we do have financial planning and in, in our, you know, that comes with our discord as a part of our packages and stuff like that with, you know, perspective wealth planning and all that stuff. So like I can say, yeah, oh yeah, go, you know, go use them and you get free financial planning when you sign up for our discord, but then you don't get that free, um, you know, like fund management. So like if you wanted to give them your funds, like at that point, it is still going to cost you something. So what does that look like? Why should you consider doing it versus just learning it yourself? Sure. I'm a huge believer in education. So if you have the aptitude to do it yourself, I think that's great. I also think you hit the nail on, on the head when you mentioned that you're too connected and maybe get too emotional sometimes because money is really an emotional topic. And when it's your own, it can be challenging to do the right thing, uh, at least from an academic perspective in terms of selling when you should and diversifying and, you know, kudos to everybody that has, you know, made that million dollars on GameStop or, or some of the other meme stocks. Um, but for that very reason, uh, it, it's, it's smart to have somebody that can help you diversify. Um, a couple of things too, you know, many people, if you're, you know, single, it, it may be more likely that you have full control to say, I'm going to do it myself. But if you're married, um, it may quite uh, often be the case that, it's almost like an arbitrator that can come into the equation where that financial advisor, that financial planner can help work with you to basically be a sounding board, provide that value, remove the emotion. And the goal is that they're delivering incremental alpha or incremental returns above what you would be able to earn if you did it on your own, partly for the very reason that you may not have the discipline or the emotional kind of disconnect in order to separate yourself from it and avoid making bad decisions. So, you know, there's a, a few things that I would just suggest there. Um, the other thing, and I think this is really important, that legacy model that you're referring to where you will be giving up um, just by, uh, by nature, many advisors who charge 1%, uh, just kind of a round number to manage your overall assets, that is a drag on your returns. 
Now, again, hopefully through the um, investment allocation and the emotional kind of that removal of the emotions out of the process, they're delivering incremental value to your returns. But there are many, many advisors today that can work with you on a financial plan and let you continue to manage all of your money or uh, implement their allocation decisions. So what you're paying them for could still very well be the same investment advice and, and the investment allocation decisions, but you're not being charged that 1%. Instead, you're being charged um, a, a flat fee, or if it's an hourly planner, it might be a couple of hours that could add up to still you know, a sizable chunk of money, maybe $600 if it's $300 an hour. But to your point, if you do the math and you have that million dollar portfolio that 1% is $10,000, that's a fundament fundamentally better value, right? And that's where we're seeing, especially a, a not, not exclusively, but a younger generation of advisors, and many of whom are on the Wealth Tender platform that are offering these types of alternative compensation models and think that that's definitely something many people, um, unfortunately, just don't realize and a big opportunity for us to create more articles and education and come on podcasts like yours to help people understand the alternatives that are there to avoid paying that fee if that's not the if that's not where you perceive the value to be. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really important for me, you know, and I only speak for myself, you know, but I, I think that I'm going to relate to a lot of dads, you know, who are listening when it for me, it's it's time and it's it's the emotion. Like I mentioned the emotion, but it's also time like, you know, I run two businesses. I work a full time job. I have two kids. You know, my wife has, uh, you know, a health condition that we're dealing with right now, which I mean, everybody's got their stuff, right? So everybody's got these things that, you know, that take their time, right? And and if you have, I like the word that you said too, like if you have the aptitude or or even just the, the capacity to, to go and learn and spend all of your time doing this, because otherwise you're, you're hiring professionals who are certified, who've passed tests, who know this stuff, like that have spent years and hours and hours and hours of education to do this stuff. That's what you're paying for. It's like anything, right? You pay for what you get. Um, but if you do have the ability to do it yourself, of course you can, you know, do that and you may get better returns over the long run, but then there's that opportunity cost too of like, okay, well now I'm spending time learning how to do this stuff where I could be spending more time with my kids or where I could be, you know, putting more time into a business that can give me more funds to then have a, you know, a financial advisor invest for me and that kind of stuff. So I think that that's kind of where I've always come from, you know, but you know, and that's why we've built our community the way we have. It's kind of like you can do both, right? I mean, it's you either come in and you learn how to do all this stuff and you and you take it and you expand it and you learn how to build generational wealth yourself, or you can use it as like a, okay, a secondary, you know, income, you know, I, I got some fun money that instead of, you know, going and eating fast food with it, I'm going to put it into a brokerage and try and trade it and grow it, you know, and learn how to do that stuff as well. And then there's also the the aspect that we did add a financial planning service to our Discord, and that's why we did it was because all the things that you've mentioned is like some people just don't have the time or desire to do it, but you know there are people that know how to do it and can do it great. So yeah, and I, I think also it's not an all or nothing proposition. In other words, if you do choose to hire a financial advisor, you shouldn't feel obligated that you need to give them all of your money to manage. Uh, I generally think it's always important to have that play money for many of us that do like trading the stock market. We, we know, you know there are things we should and shouldn't do, but there's also something we said for just having some joy and playing around a little bit. So having the fun money there 
I think is important. But even with a financial advisor, you don't necessarily have to say, you know, if you have a million dollars sitting in the bank, I, I want you to manage all of this. You, you could rather, you know, parcel it in, give them a chance at earning your business, seeing what that looks like. And while you have that time and freedom to continue managing it yourself, you can even mirror what they're doing with, let's say, 10% of that million. So give them 100,000, you retain control over the 900,000, follow what they're doing and determine whether or not they're earning sufficient value that you would want to turn over the rest to them or continue to manage a portion yourself or find another advisor. One thing you mentioned a little bit earlier was, you know, people being self-conscious about, you know, going in and not having enough money to justify a financial advisor or anything like that. Again, I feel like with the retail boom recently, you know, that could be something on a lot of people's minds. You know, I've got $3,000 and, you know, that's not enough to go to an advisor. At what stage do you think it, like, when is it a good time to seek out an advisor? You know, right now we've been in this environment with, you know, all the, the dollars flooding into the economy from you know, government stimulus and the market generally just continuing to go up that people feel pretty good um, that they can manage their own money. But if we do get another um, reminder that the markets don't always go up, just like we saw at the outset of COVID or going back to the dot-com bubble, there's going to be this emotional toll that naturally is taken and felt by people who suddenly realize, gosh, I, maybe I just don't want to do this myself. Or again, I, sh I really need to ensure that I only have 10% of my overall assets and fund money that I'm managing myself and let me hand over the rest to a um, professional. So that, that's definitely something to um, keep in mind. And in terms of when somebody should approach an advisor, it, again, I think it really just depends on the circumstances. So if you're, let's say, a little bit younger, and since we're kind of amongst dads, I'll focus on kind of the, the male population. Um, so all of us, as we're going through maybe high school, college, we start to get out on our own if we're not yet married. You know, as an individual, maybe we're having fun. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. You know, we're day trading and, you know, doing some things. And then you get to that point where it's like, okay, I need to start thinking beyond just where I'm going to be grabbing beers with the guys tonight and instead thinking longer term. Um, you can do that on your own if you have that aptitude, the knowledge and the inclination to really um, start to focus on thinking longer term or it may be thrust upon you if you get married or you have your first child that now you're really starting to think beyond just you yourself and the guys. And those are all catalysts, I would suggest, kind of milestones in life, you know, whether it's getting married or getting serious with someone or finding that, um, you know, finding out that you're having a baby or maybe your parents unfortunately just passed away and now there's like potential estate planning inheritance type um, issues or, or grandparents for that matter, where you're getting a large chunk or with that baby that's on the way, your parents or grandparents are maybe passing down money to help save for that future child. So I would think generally about those types of events, which again, don't necessarily trigger the need to go to a personal financial advisor, um, but could trigger the need to say, okay, I either need to get serious about doing this myself and learning how I can be a better investor, looking for resources like stock dads um, to do it, quote yourself, but in reality, obviously relying on other people that are a community coming together to help each other or making that determination. I just don't have time or prefer to work with a professional. And 
again, importantly, to not feel like once you decide to work with an advisor that you're trapped. So, you know, starting small, um, interviewing multiple advisors, finding advisors that are focused on, you know, in that scenario, a younger demographic, or um, if we're looking at an older demographic, you know, there are many people that have made it to near retirement age and have never worked with a financial advisor, but now you're looking to roll over from your 401k, a very large lump sum, and starting to think about decumulation. So how do I, um, instead of trying to grow my money, how do I try to make it last a lifetime and start to withdraw funds from that pool of assets that I've accumulated without outliving my um, retirement funds? And so that's, again, where a financial advisor can come into play and if nothing else, provide you with that sounding board to make you feel much more confident that if you are in that type of a situation, even as good as many of us may be with math and a spreadsheet, at, at that point in life, it can feel really good to say, hey, you know, do I have my ducks in a row here? Am, am I really thinking about this right, that if I withdraw this percentage of my portfolio each year, that I should be on track to not outlive that and, and live a comfortable retirement? Mike's question is is a really common one and a very common misconception of financial planning too. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about financial advisors who manage your funds too um, today, but we haven't really talked about as much. I mean, the financial planning aspect, which is completely aside from the actual management of your funds, but it's just the planning of your finances. So, you know, we have that financial planning service and and I've seen people in our discord say, well, you know, I'm not ready for that. Or I like, I don't have, you know, I don't have enough money to make that worth my time or whatever, like, because I don't have any finances to plan. Right. And I think that's a very common misconception. I think that that's actually a great time to use a financial planner because, you know, what a financial planner can then do is, you know, they can sit down, they can identify your goals, whether or not your goals in your mind seem to, to feel like pipe dreams, you know, or I'm not going to get there or whatever. If you lay them out there, right with a professional and you say, this is my kind of my timeline and my time horizon. And this is what I, where I want to be and when I want to be there. Now we have something tangible to work with, right? Now, now you can say, okay, well, this is how much you make. This is how much you're spending. This is where you want to be. This is your likelihood of getting there where you are now. This is what it looks like if we change some things. Um, And then basically giving a, a tangible plan, hence the name financial planning to to get there. Right. And it may require some hard changes, you know, depending on where you are and what your situation is, how much you make or how in debt you are or how, you know, bad your spending habits are or whatever. But, you know, actually having something written down and outlined is like, okay, if I do this and I meet these, you know, benchmarks and I do these things that, that have been laid out here, I'll actually get where I want to be. So I think like, even if you're in debt or even if you have very little income and you're, or you're investing 10 bucks a month. I mean, it could be enough, you know, hardly anything, but if you want to say, okay, this is where I want to be. This is the most we can, you know, our financial planner, you know, Matt Fox or whatever can sit down or any of the ones that, you know, you find through wealth tender, right. When you find a good fit can then sit down and say, okay, is this realistic? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's possible or these are the changes we need to make to get there. So, I think that those, you know, are some key and distinctions too that people often don't realize is that when you work with a financial planner, you don't have to give them your funds at all. They could just say, "Hey, this is what to what we recommend doing. 
now do you want us to help you do it or do you want to learn how to do it yourself? So, um, yeah, it's, this is a great, it's been a great topic because I think, you know, this is, there is a stigma around it, but I think that's because people run into, they run into the, the financial advisors or these, you know, wealth managers and stuff who aren't, who maybe don't do a great job or don't get a great return, or maybe they're not as transparent or, you know, like there's some, there's some bad eggs in every profession. Right. But the people that deal with those bad people are always going to be the loudest, you know, as opposed to the people who have great experiences. So no, I appreciate the the chat, Brian. I think this has been really helpful. Mike, do you have any other questions before we wrap this, this section up? No, I think Brian, you've done a great job answering all the questions I have clearing up some, you know, maybe misconceptions for our listeners. So yeah, I appreciate that. The one thing I would say, DJ, in response to uh, some of the comments that you just made, uh, there used to be, and part of the reason that there there has been this stigma is many financial advisors historically were really first and foremost salespeople. And fortunately, that has changed and changed significantly with the regulatory bodies that have put a lot more kind of oversight. And now you've even seen that older generation of advisors that grew up as salespeople that fully understand, even as they've just grown, their real mission in life is to truly help serve their clients rather than focusing on that, you know, getting that next commission. It's just not in anybody's best interest. And one of the other things that I think is going to be really valuable for people going forward, as I mentioned at the outset, um, we are looking to provide consumers, people that are looking to hire an advisor with reviews of advisors' clients. So you can really start to understand if an advisor is a good fit for you based on the reviews of their clients. One of the things that's interesting is the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, has prohibited financial advisors from having reviews for the last 60 years. So this is a tremendous opportunity going forward that's finally going to allow people that are interested in hiring an advisor to learn if an advisor is a good fit based on their clients. And it seems like a no-brainer that this would have been available like throughout this whole period. And you know, the SEC had good intentions, but just wanted to raise that as well, because I think going forward, as we start to see more advisors finally able to collect reviews from their clients and publish those on sites like Wealth Tender. It's going to be a, a lot better opportunity for people to truly find advisors that are a great fit for them. Do you have? Uh, I'm just curious. I mean, you know, when when people are searching on Wealth Tender and stuff, do you do you guys eliminate ones that can get consistently bad reviews? Is like even as an option, or do you keep them on there and just have full transparency, like? this guy gets bad reviews <laughs> or do you like, okay, you're, you're not like a uh, clearly wealth tender quality here. And you, you know, what, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. Great question. So this rule is so new. It just went into effect and before financial advisors can actually start collecting reviews, they have to comply with some technical issues of this new sec rule. So we anticipate within the fourth quarter, which we're now in, we're going to finally start to see advisors be able to proceed with asking their clients for reviews. To your point, um, I think the SEC did a, a great job of writing this rule that basically says, advisors, when you get started, you can't cherry pick which clients you're gonna reach out to and ask for reviews. You need to reach out to all of your clients. And when those reviews come in, they are what they are. So we at WealthTender, as well as any other platform that chooses to display reviews, won't be able to, which is obviously a good thing, um, only highlight advisors with five stars or three stars. That said, it's going to be a very natural ability for us to um, promote advisors that have that stronger overall star rating from their clients. And I think we'll naturally see advisors that don't have 
good reputation based on their clients just readily fall kind of off the uh, off the page, just as you would see with most traditional review sites, whether you're looking for a doctor, a lawyer, or even a pizza place. Awesome, man. Well, I think, you know, it sounds like a great mission, uh, you know, a great, you know, company and something that's much needed. You know, it's, uh, I think Mike and my financial advisor is like our best friend from college and stuff. So like we didn't, we weren't in the, the, the group of people that needed, you know, that like to go looking for one or to not know one. Um, you know, but I think that had I, I do know of plenty of people who are like lost, like, where do I start? Who do I do? You know, who do I use this with and all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's jump into the fun portion. Uh, I think we're going to skip dad jokes today. And I think we're going to do a little bit of, would you rather, um, just to switch it up a little bit, you know, got to keep our listeners on all two of our listeners on their toes, you know, Mike, what do you got for us? You got a, would you rather? Yeah. So it's not a, it's not like a funny one, but it's like a, it's like, you know, you know, thought provoking. Yeah, we don't have to be funny you. all the time. Thank we don't you. have to be funny all the time because most <laughs> of the time I'm not anyways. Yeah. I, I feel like we try you know. and it just fails. So, yeah. So, okay. But so here it is. So would you rather have a time machine or a teleporter? A time machine or a teleporter. So if I'm really putting on my sci-fi hat here, a teleporter versus a time machine. So the teleporter is going to take me somewhere else the time machine is going to take me in the past or future or future yeah, yeah. Um, i think i'm going in the past i mean if we're talking about uh, gamestop i'm going full roaring kitty and i'm yeah. going all in <laughs> on dogecoin and uh, yeah. gamestop and we're going to have this conversation like truly on the beach in mexico <laughs> and my, my mansion overlooking the water where we'll all have a great time yeah that's my answer to like the SEC will definitely be looking at my trades because I'm going to have like a hundred percent big winners. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question for me. It's a little bit more challenging because, because I mentioned my wife's health issues. I spend literally all day in my car every day, pretty much um, driving to and from driving her to and from work and the kids everywhere. And, you know, having kids and the only one on this sh show right now that has kids, you guys don't know the struggle of having to have them be everywhere all at one time. So it, I don't know. I, I think I'd still have to go with the time machine because yeah. when you have that much money that you made because of all this stuff, like you just pay Uber to do mm -hmm. this stuff take them or whatever, you know, or get yeah. a private jet. But yeah. Yeah. Or you could just like, totally spare jenna and have her marry someone else like me <laughs> wow. or something i don't know <laughs> yeah, you wish you wish uh no that's a good question that's a little bit tougher for me than it was for you guys though i think yeah. i might i might have to go i don't know i'm gonna stick yeah, with i mean machine. i like stay in my house so like yeah, that's true where you teleport, teleport to, to like the my kitchen couch <laughs> <laughs> to your microwave that turns your wi-fi off every time you yeah. use it uh have we ever told that story on the podcast i think so Probably. yeah yeah mm -hmm. every time mike you well it doesn't happen anymore but for a while there every time mike used his microwave his wi-fi would turn off so we would like if he was microwaving something while we were you know getting ready for a podcast all of a sudden he would just no longer be there he'd mm -hmm. be gone so yep i do live in a third world country apparently. <laughs> yeah basically okay so i got one again not funny but thought-provoking would you rather have to fight a mama lion with nothing but a dagger or a pack of five wolves 
with a gun that only has five bullets? I would choose the wolves, probably. Yeah? Why? Because... Over one lion? Over one lion. Yeah, they're big and strong, dude. I or wolves. Because... Yeah, but so, I mean, I feel like a gun is much more effective. And also, this is going to get dark, but like if I'm clearly <laughs> going to lose, like uh, the gun yeah, is a go. better option, I think. <laughs> so. Interesting thought. Yeah. That... Yeah it's more effective unless you miss then it's much right. much less effective yeah what about you i just jumped in my time machine so i'm not there anymore <laughs> yeah. uh, there you go. <laughs> that's good there you go and you know uh, to you know to not be at that place at that time mm -hmm. right? I, right i think being with the, the mama lion um, perhaps would be the way to go and just make sure i can run faster than you dj <laughs> well that's not going to be hard i promise you <laughs> However, I did just take my first MMA class yesterday, so I'm about to be a beast pretty yeah, soon here. You don't even need out. to run from the don't, You don't even yeah, need the knife, dude. Right there, don't. Yeah. I, I can't move right now, but you know, give me, you know, a year of training and maybe I'll be able to be a different story. I think I would take I probably still think I would take the the wolves too, because I, I, I think you know I got a better chance of taking them out with the gun than I'm gonna have with a, a mama lion. Because the mama lion has like 10 daggers on her hands and like 100 in her mouth. So I'm just going to, you know, that's all right. Good question. Good question. Yeah. I stole it from Barstool Sports. I saw a video. So credit to them. <laughs> you know, I don't want anybody calling me out on it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought it was interesting. All right, yeah. man. Well, this has been really good. Brian, tell the people where they can find you. Give them your 30 second elevator speech and, uh, you know, all the ways that they can connect with you. Sure. Easiest thing anywhere on any social account, you'll find us at WealthTender and certainly WealthTender.com. Uh, mine's Brian at WealthTender.com. If you want to shoot me an email, feel free to give me a ring as well. You'll find all my information on the site and anything I can do to help any of your listeners. Um, I'm here for them. That's awesome, man. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for dropping the knowledge. And we'll have to make sure that we're uh, number one on your recommended podcasts and uh, we'll have to get, get you connected with our financial planner to get them on, get them on WealthTender as well. Absolutely. We'll get those five-star reviews from you guys for him, I'm sure. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here. But uh, again, thank you to all of our listeners for your continued support. If you're not already part of the Dad Stock Dads community, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, obviously Discord. You know, you could join, join our premium community at stockdads.com uh, slash plans. Check it out. Join us. We got a financial planner in there. You can, you know, use as part of your membership and we will... Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. As always, Brian, we will uh, talk to you again, I'm sure, and maybe have you get on in the future. That sounds great. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, here we go. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Leave a five-star review and join our premium community on Discord at stockdads.com slash plans. You can also follow us on all major social media platforms. But most importantly, stay off the grass.